Gen Z. <gasps> I said it. Gen Z. I know. I know, guys. Okay, bear with me, okay? Gen Z, cramping our style, cramping, kill up, you know, TikTok and all around town, cramping our style, social justice warriors all over here, or misunderstood and trying to save the world one, gosh darn it, TikTok at a time. Well, to your delight, we have the Gen Zer today to talk about all this and more. And when I say she is the Gen Z, dare I, I feel like I shall name her my mini me. And here's why. Here is why. And Gen Z, if you're like, what are you talking about? It's called Austin Powers, sweetheart. Go look it up. Do yourself a favor. Okay. So here's the thing. Today I have Sophie Barron. Now, Sophie, like myself, we just really must hate ourselves because we have dedicated our livelihoods to really getting into provocative, controversial conversations that people are afraid to have in hopes of really making this world a better place. Mr. Rogers, look out. Okay. So like me, Sophie, we, she is not afraid of the cancel culture and we embrace it. Now, if you're listening for the first time and you're like, who is this crazy lady? My name is Taylor Ferber. Welcome to cancel me, baby. Now I'm an entertainment journalist. I used to be a red carpet reporter in LA and I would get celebrities in Hollywood on the red carpet in on said provocative conversations. Now I continue to on this show guns blazing and sort of passing the torch to the next generation is Sophie, Sophie Barron. So she is the founder and the CEO of the platform, The Conversationalist. Now the conversationalist guys, like literally grab, grab your, your briefs and your panties and anything you need to grab because the whole idea of the conversationalist is that it gets into these dialogues and they have people from all sides of the spectrum to go there. And their tagline is to break echo chambers. So I love what they're doing. I love what they're all about. We actually, I mean, they've talked about everything from vax mandates. I I told you, I told you to grab your tidy whities Okay. Vax mandates polarized politics, media, like they, they go there. So without further ado, I would love to introduce to you the Sophie Barron. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Taylor. This is such an honor. I look up to you so much. I feel like we're soul sisters and that we're on the same path in life. And thank you just so much for having me today. Sophie, is it okay that I just went ahead and had balls the size of Texas to name you my mini me? I just really did that without your permission. I just really went for it. So that was the biggest honor of my life. So I will wear that title proudly. So guys, so, oh, well, thank you. Well, Sophie is, she's no joke. Like you may think that, first of all, everyone, I'm a millennial. Everyone thought that millennials are lazy and titled. Yes, which is true. Let me just tell you already in Gen Z, like to the nth degree, right? Sophie has a billboard with her face on it in Times Square. I'm sorry. Can any of you say that? Can any of you? I didn't think so. I didn't think so. So Sophie, the conversationalist, let's get into it. And let's first, I love what you're doing, like I said. And we were introduced because I was invited to be on a panel that you moderated on the conversationalist about cancel culture. Now, before we get into, I want to talk about celebrity virtue signaling. Obviously, that's my world, wokeness, you name it. Let's address the elephant in the room. Let's do it. Which is the stereotype that Gen Z are oversensitive, killing our vibe, social justice warriors, and the culprit of this oversensitive cancel culture where no one can talk. What are your thoughts? That's a big question to start. And I am here to be at bat for Gen Z. I think we are so misunderstood. I think our entire generation, because we're the most diverse generation to date, is the most uniquely equipped to tackle all the crazy shit happening in the world. But I think we get a bad rep because people don't understand us. We're going about it in a different way. And I think what's really unique about Gen Z is that, yes, we may be 
coined as sensitive, but I think it's because we care. I feel like with everything happening in the world, people just stop caring. We've become numb to the things around us. And I don't think it's a bad thing that we're, we're out there trying to make a difference. And the fact that we're trying is, is good enough for me. So here's my question though. When does caring become problematic? Because it's almost like it can't, we, you know, people care so much that now it's like, for example, I saw yesterday, or I heard on the radio that Carrie Underwood is under fire for liking a tweet in which it was opposing mass mandates for kids in Nashville, where I guess she's based for liking a tweet. And this is what I mean. It's like, doesn't it become problematic when it's like we're everyone's under a microscope and people are hooting and hollering and caring a little too much? Like, what's the line? Completely. And I think the line is defined by each of us. I think we all have different definitions of that line, which is why we're all sensitive to it in different ways. It, it's like what happened with Addison Ray. <clears throat> she greeted President Trump at that event and everyone seeking to cancel her simply for greeting the former president of the United States. I think we've gotten to a place where we've put people under a microscope to a certain degree where there's no coming back from the smallest of actions. So I think in my mind, there are two different things we're talking about. It's like apples and oranges. Caring too much is not a bad thing in my book about the issues that matter to you. But when it becomes problematic is when you start upholding a moral hierarchy for another human being that they didn't get any say in. And I think that's the tricky piece about cancel culture. And I'm excited to dive into that yeah. because we all have different versions of that line. I, Taylor, what do you think? Well, I also, well, first of all, I'm very glad you brought up Addison, right? Because sweethearts, we are going to get in to the internet since celebrity sensation, all of that. Oh, I told your, your boxer briefs are being clenched right now. I told you to hold on, but you know, what had me not to, you know, make this somber, but what really got me thinking about all of this is what's going on right now, obviously in Afghanistan, right. And how I put up a video from my last episode, a brief video talking about how people, I mean, it's just horrid. And you see that people are literally clinging to planes at the chance of coming to a place like this with freedoms you know, because they'd rather risk that fate of literally clinging to a plane than than staying there. Right. And I just think about all the freedoms that we have, ones that obviously are really important to me, especially as a woman is speech is, you know, our livelihood, our education, all these things that are, you know, isn't aren't granted necessarily in places like that. And to it got me thinking last night, I'm just like with this whole cancel culture, holding everyone to the standard and and you know, putting them on the cross, it's like, how sad, because people like that are would, would literally die to have these freedoms for speech, for thought. And here we are, uh, what an abuse of that freedom and that privilege to punish other people for, for you know, executing that freedom, how sad. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I think it's it's tricky because obviously there are certain things that I feel as a white woman that maybe a person of color wouldn't experience in this country. But I think that is maybe one of the roots of the problem is that we take for granted the freedoms that we have in America. And I think similarly to how we talked about how different people adapt different definitions of what it means to be a morally correct or good person, I think we've also all taken on different definitions of the First Amendment. I think free speech is something that we should all hold dear because in looking at countries like Afghanistan, those people are not afforded the same privileges. But what's tricky is that here in America, everything seems to be with critique. And I think it, we, we lose sight about, we lose sight of what this country was built on, which is free speech. And again, with the line, a lot of people define hate speech differently than free yeah. speech. But at the end of the day, that's why the constitution exists. So I also find myself getting frustrated and taking fault with 
our society and sometimes our generation too for not allowing everyone to have that privilege. It seems like the common thread is, you know, I get crucified if you don't agree with me. And that's what's really, that's what's really sad to yeah. me. You know, you hear celebrities say it, you hear all these people say it. And the thing is, it's like, whether it be generational differences, I don't really know. Like, I don't even know if we'll get to the bottom of it, but it seems to me like people, and it's like a left right thing, everything's politicized people just aren't going to see eye to eye like you and i are out here being like i don't have to agree with you and even hate speech honestly i'm like let's hear it so we know that it's out there because if we suppress it lord no it's only gonna grow more it's not gonna right but then you have another side who's like oh all these people are trying to have hate speech and that's not freedom it's like people just aren't going aren't seeing eye to eye and that's the problem and that's really tough about the work that I do. And I'm sure you experience this every day. And I had this realization over the past eight months that what I'm doing and what you're doing is something that fundamentally a large segment of our population disagrees with. And I came into this all wide-eyed, optimistic, ready to bring people together, kumbaya, have conversations. But I realized that there are so many people out there that don't even agree that we should be having them in the first place. But at the end of the day, that is their point of view. And I can have my own as well. And like you said, Taylor, if you ignore someone who maybe has a hateful point of view or has a different point of view than your own, that person isn't going away. That person has just as much a right to exist in this world as you do. So why are we ignoring it? I think it's a band-aid issue to distance yourself from someone when you can't even lean in to hearing that person out. Because you know what? Mm -hmm. The biggest secret that I've learned over the past five years doing this thing is that if you make someone feel heard, someone who has a completely different view than you do, that person is much more likely to hear you out as well. And I think that that's the issue, right? Is we don't even, yes. we, we distance ourselves from someone who think who thinks differently than we do, but we're avoiding any opportunity to come a little bit closer together yeah. without realizing that that person might even listen to us as well, might even eventually come over to your side, but we don't even give them a chance. So I'll give you an example. There, I'll give you two examples, right? So obviously, okay, let's take appearances. Let's talk about sexism, male stuff, all that, okay? my I, I told Sophie this before we hopped on. Like, my boobs are out today, like, on her eyebrows. Sophie, I'm so sorry, okay? I have, like, the blonde hair, right? So I know, I'm no moron. I know, right, that people could look at me and at first glance be like, oh, what a bimbo, the blonde hair, the big boobs, right? Say if a guy makes a dumb pass at me, here's an example of, like, canceling right is being like f you you a-hole go instead being like okay here's why i'm gonna prove you wrong and blow you away with my brains you know what i mean so a version of canceling it's like putting them in a a way what is that gonna teach them another example i saw um during the january 6th i think it was a man with a uh, camp auschwitz uh shirt or something right now do you know how much that hurt i mean i'm jewish i was bat mitzvah but there wasn't a part of me that was like he needs to go dig in a ditch and live in it and eat worms like no it's like if i were face to face with that man I would be like, okay, here's why this isn't okay. Let's talk about it. Why are you feeling this type of way where you would literally wear this horrid shirt? You know what I mean? And we've become so intolerant that it's, it's just, it's, it's, I don't understand how people don't see how it's causing so much more tension and hostility and divide. It's just going to make fuel their fire by being like, you're an a-hole, you know, how does that help? And as a Jewish woman myself, Mm -hmm. it's interesting hearing you say that because, and maybe this is a hot take, but I do think there are some people out there that are never going to get there and that's okay. And so I think it's interesting because I'm pretty, I'm pretty flexible with my line, but let's say we sit down with that guy with the Camp Auschwitz shirt and he has no intention of hearing me out or seeing me as the human being that I am then there are certain scenarios where you don't need to waste your time and energy. I think my definition, and I'd love to hear your thoughts too, Taylor, is if a human being has the intention of wanting to live a happy, healthy, successful life, 
where they agree that other people also have those same rights and privileges, that person has the ability to unify and come together. But I think there is a scenario where the hate speech does take a turn in a direction where we don't need to count them into the equation. Right. If it's causing violence, et cetera. Right. Of and course. maybe, and of course that guy wearing a shirt isn't causing physical harm to someone. And that's my definition of hate speech. But if that guy has no intention of even hearing me out, then that's where we have a problem. And so I think it's important to kind of figure out where that line extends mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. because not everyone has that same conception of wanting to build a better future and i think that's the line for me i was just gonna say that i mean here's another hot take and by the way you guys we're totally winging i have notes here and we're just going rogue so we're yes. just winging this combo um here's another hot take and this is going to be controversial what if there are just some people who are a-holes to your point obviously with the work we do we are trying to she's like she gets all closer she's like uh-huh but it's true it's like the work we're doing obviously is to help people see things in a different way and yes of course at the end of the day we would all love people to grow and think about things differently right and like you said kumbaya but at the end of the day what if there are just people who are a-holes and who are we to think that we are you know redemption you know what is it called like um uh what's it the day uh judgment day it's like we're the ones to change everybody you know so there's also that and i'm happy you said that because truth. i was just afraid to say that so you just summarized my entire pov in one sentence <laughs> um but i think what's interesting too is and maybe this is the root of cancel culture but I think we ascribe that label of asshole or beyond redemption to so many different types of people. And when you see the siege on the Capitol, when you think about the Republican Party, people who are coined as Trump supporters, we've deemed them as a monolith. And I think the guy in the Camp Auschwitz shirt is not your average Trump supporter. And so I think maybe the issue lies in putting people in boxes and assuming that everyone else is just like that one guy who ruined it for everyone. And so my proposition is you take the Camp Auschwitz guy and you consider him the extremist that you don't need to worry about anymore because he's probably an asshole. But we can't ascribe that same label to an entire population of people. And so I think that's the issue with American politics today is we're forced to pick a side. And that side that is a binary, left, right, blue, red, black, white, we have to assume that everyone under that label thinks X, Y, and Z to be considered under that label. And so I think there's something there about the box that is also problematic that has led to cancel culture today. Oh, it's horrible. I completely agree with you. And what I'm curious to bring it back a little bit, I mean, I know we're not, I know we're both, I mean, Einstein protégés, <laughs> but we're not going to have all the answers. But I, I do, before I move to the next topic, I want to actually play for our viewers a little clip of me on a carpet a couple years ago talking to comedians about cancel culture. And obviously, you know, people in entertainment, even though they act otherwise, they act like these, you know, can do no wrong, Mother Mary, you know, sp spawns. Um, they're over it, right? So listen to these comedians and they, they talk about the culprit and they actually think it's millennials, right? Mm -hmm. So... Here it is for yourself. You have to be able to push the envelope. Otherwise, no one will take a risk. Every comic will be me, and that is boring. I heard somewhere that Eddie Murphy apologized for his Raw special. I was like, what? Why? Cancel culture. It's killing me. It's killing me, too. Who's making up the rules, anyway? Like, who's controlling all this? That's a really great question. And I didn't think that anybody was going to ask me this. You know what? I need a millennial to explain all this to me. Millennials. Millennials? Yeah. Social media makes everyone feel like they're so important. Right. Even trolls in that way, they have the power. Every time you accept this, you buy into it. It doesn't even, even have in to my be interviews. real. If you're working for a TV network, it's the network that says it. You know, it's the advertisers that say it. Gen Z is what I hear. The Liberal Party could also be because it's very what yeah. you can, can't. I ask friends and stuff if I have a joke and I'm just like, 
can I pull this off? And they're like, nah. I'll come up with a joke and I'll run it by my wife. She goes, you can't do that. I won't, I won't even try. Does that suck? It does. So are you saying that we need to be like, no, this is bullshit? Of course you should. Do you think, like, what if I'm can't? What, well, what if you slip and say something Totally. Wrong? Yeah, sure, sure. We've all said crazy things. We all hope that none of that was on video. Outrage culture is making the rules. Honestly, people do make mistakes. Can you imagine? It's your choice if you don't want to see it, but that doesn't mean that you should then cancel somebody right. in their life and their career. I agree. Now, Sophie, they're saying it's millennials. It, what do you truly think? You're immersed in it. You're a Gen Z. You've been having these dialogues with the Gen Zs. And by the way, I've seen them on your show say that it's this whole cancel culture is trash. So what do you believe is the culprit? Is it a little bit of Gen Z? Is it a little bit of millennials? Is it social social media? What is it? So first of all, I in thinking about where cancel culture stemmed from, I actually don't think it's one particular generation. I think cancel culture was bred out of black Twitter back in 2014. So I think when we're talking about the culprit and the starting point, I don't think it's a particular generation. However, when you think about the perpetuator of cancel culture, I think it's it's a little bit of both. And this might be a hot take, but where do you think Gen Zers learned from? You know, we've been following in the footsteps of millennials who have set the example of what this dialogue can look like and how to treat people in the public eye. And so I think we've been following a little bit in those footsteps. However, I think now that we're coming of age, you know, a lot of Gen Z voted for the first time in this last election. They're gearing up for college, they're in college, and I think we're starting to think for ourselves. I think it makes sense why Gen Z has been considered a culprit because we're digital natives. We live on social media. We make sense of the world on social media. So I get it. I get why we're getting the blame. So, but here's the thing though, where I'm actually going to put the microscope on millennials and I think before us is Gen X, I want to tell you a little anecdote and get yeah. your take. So I covered a Teen Vogue convention in Los Angeles a couple years ago, right? Geared toward teenagers, obviously Gen Z. And I left Sophie being so depressed because the things that the conference was talking about and pushing, I was like, I as an adult barely want to deal with these issues. I mean, they're talking about police violence, uh, you know, you know, feminist issues, uh, of course, Black Lives Matter. They're talking about, you know, LGBT, right? All these things. And I'm like, are they being robbed of their childhood and their teen years? I'm oh, sorry, teen years. And I'm not trying to be, you know, rose colored glasses, but it makes me sad because we didn't, and I sure as hell know generations before, didn't have to deal with that stuff so young. So is there a part of you that feels like you guys and these kids are being robbed of kind of their innocence and being pushed with these themes so early? It's interesting you say that. So I personally don't feel that I was because I don't consider myself to be an activist, but I'm thinking back to an interview I did and a moment that really stood out to me was speaking to a Gen Z gun violence prevention activist, Arielle Geismar. And we were talking about her experience in being out there in the trenches every single day fighting for gun violence prevention reform. And she said something that will always stay with me, which is that in a perfect world, she would just be like a normal kid going to college, going out, hanging out with her friends, but she feels the weight of the world on her shoulders because no one else from her vantage point is out there solving the problem. You know, she, she'll she speak at a big convention and all of these adults will walk up to her at the end and say, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for all the work that you do. But in a lot of ways, she feels like, well, why aren't you doing this too? Why does it have to be me? And I've definitely sensed that sentiment from a lot of young people. It feels like there's this burden of the weight of the world on their shoulders. That's and amazing. I think in some ways that is robbing that generation of a conventional childhood. But I think the reality of it is that now with social media and with everything happening in the world right now, it doesn't seem like you can ignore it anymore. I don't think blissful ignorance is a thing, but I, I do think that they're being robbed of a lot of what yeah. 
a traditional kid would have to go through. It makes me sad because I mean, even when I was 16, I mean, the bane of my, and like you said, right, we're both white women talking here. Let's call it for what it is. Um, So we acknowledge that. But even I feel like, you know, like as a teenager, like the bane of my existence, I was like, I have to get my braces off before I take my license picture or so help me God. You yeah. will hear about, you know what I mean? It's like, we worried about yeah. stuff like that. And now it feels like every Gen Zer is an activist and it just makes me sad. I feel like you're right, but this, the world is getting um, scary and sad. So there is that reality too. Now, Ooh. I also want to bring it back because I've talked about this on my show. Uh, you had mentioned boxes and that's a big theme in my work. I pitched and I spearheaded a feature in Playboy, you'll love this, Sophie, in its 65th anniversary issue dedicated to free expression. And kind of what I said earlier about the boobs brains thing, the whole idea of it was don't put me in a box and other women in a box. So it featured myself and five other journalists and we wrote essays and we also posed nude. And it's basically like, try me because, right? You look at a woman posing and right away, an Instagram model, whatever. And you're like, they're a bimbo, right? And vice versa. You look at somebody who, you know, maybe is a politician or this or that. Oh, they can't do, they can't, you know? Yep. So breaking out of those boxes. Now here again, though, is where this is a hot take where I feel like it's problematic, where we become so obsessed with boxes, such as pronouns, LGBTQ, like it goes every letter, right? Um, I identify as this, I'm this sexual, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. I get that what the, I get why. It's because everybody wants to and deserves to be seen for who they are, right? But again, I feel like it puts people um, and confines them in labels and boxes even more where I'm just like, can we just let people be? What do you think? So I take no issue with anyone's identity. And I think the hard part is when other people ascribe labels to you that you're not putting on yourself. And so I think we've come to a point where we're constantly ascribing those labels and judgments upon people we may not even know. And that to me is problematic. But I think, you know, for me growing up, I was the only Jewish kid in my entire school. And so whether I wanted to fit in or not, it didn't matter because I was labeled as the Jew, like no matter how hard I tried. And so what I think is interesting is that I, that wasn't a lie, right? Like I am a Jew. And I think what became problematic about it is that people ascribed onto that label, a lot of misconceptions that they thought about Judaism because they didn't know a single other Jewish person. So I was the token kid. So to some extent, yes, 100% people should just be able to come as they are and identify as however they want to be identified as. But I don't know if, I, I would hope that there's some sort of education there so that if we do just let people exist as they are, we still understand the different pieces of each other's identities that make up who we are, if that makes sense. But I totally hear where you're coming from. Uh, yeah, I mean, my fear is that it does, it has the opposite effect of what we want. You know, I've heard people in the corporate world, which I'm sorry for your life, no, I'm just kidding, um, who say that they've had meetings now where they'll have to, or in college uh, you know, classes where, They'll have to go around and, you know, what they can and can't say or say their pronouns while introducing themselves. Or, you know, I heard someone in a workplace environment say that they were told now that they can't, if they're hiring somebody, they're, they they can't even say something like, you know, you remind me so much of me because it's like, that's wrong. And it's like, why can't you say, you know, it's just, it's become so granular. And I just feel like it has the opposite effect because it makes people more intolerant and more pissed for lack of a better word. And that is what bugs me because... I feel like that doesn't help the people it's supposed to help. So I I hear you. I totally hear you. And I think it's circumstantial, right? Like I would hope that people feel comfortable enough to, you know, say their pronouns if that's how they want to assert their identity. A hundred. And there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Right? And so I, I think what's tricky is when you start to force certain norms on people. You said it. 
But I think at the same time, I don't know, now that the world is evolving, we're in 2021, I'm also kind of going with the flow. Yeah. Right? Like I actually, at the end of the day, if we want people to come as they are, and that means sharing your pronouns in front of a classroom of people, great. It's not really impacting me. Like I am a woman. I can say I'm, I identify as she, her, hers. And that's great. And I think sometimes, and this could be a total tangent, but even with the mask mandate right now, all of the people who are out there, and I don't want to box people in, but people out there who refuse to wear masks because they think they're ineffective or they're over it, I hear them, but I almost feel like, why not just play it safe? You know, even if masks are ineffective but there's a chance it could help even a percentage why not just err on the side of safety and i kind of feel that way about you know some of the labels you were speaking about like why not just err on the side of making someone feel more accepted more comfortable but i also hear you that there are certain systems that when they're imposed on people can feel annoying and you know we shouldn't have to be forced to do certain things but at the end of the day why not just err on the side of making someone feel heard and seen you said it perfect. I think once it becomes problematic is when you're forcing things on people, right? And they're like, can I just be? Now, the mask thing is a perfect segue into the deranged world of Hollywood. Because again, like everything, it's become so um, politicized, right? On one end, you know, you have Jennifer Aniston, who I don't know if you heard this whole thing got a lot of flack because she said she literally has cut people out who won't get vaccinated, right? I mean, and again, like with your mask thing, it's like, I don't know. I I feel like people, it's just the two sides. One side is like, you're imposing on me and my health and my, and then the other side, right? The right is like, it's my personal freedom. You're taking away my freedom and the mask and I'm not putting this in my arm and the whole thing. And it's just like, holy shit, everybody just take one large Xanax and can we all just move on with our goddamn day and get through this existential despair. Um, so it's a, it's a problem. It's a huge problem. People just dig their heels in on both sides. Um, talking about the celebrity, virtue signaling that whole world now what is your take has there been a celebrity where you're just like oh my god can you not can you really not right now and I talk about this because I've seen firsthand I've been in their trailers Ludacris I'm talking to you I've been in their trailers I've been at their award shows I've seen their limos I've seen it so for me it hits a certain way because I see how not in reality their real lives are so it's like please stop preaching to me has there been a time when you're like I roll stop it yes but I'm not trying to call anyone out um I think I take fault with a lot of what happened a couple months ago with the Israel-Palestine situation this is not a new war this is not a new conflict but all of a sudden you see intersectionality at its worst and people feeling the need and people with huge platforms feeling the need to side with one narrative in order to fit that narrative of virtue signaling and so seeing a lot of that out there just got me heated right? Because I feel like nowadays you can't just support a cause on its own. You have to support every cause under the sun that is fighting for, you know, equality to some degree. And it's, it's just frustrating when it can feel single-minded. And even though I said it was, I wasn't going to call anyone out. I definitely felt that with the Hadids. I was going to, I was going to, if you weren't Sophie, don't worry. I had on the tip of my tongue, girl. I feel like I can call them out. They're a few degrees of separation away from me. I just, it was so frustrating feeling like they were so far away from the scenario saying all of these things about Gaza and Palestine. When in reality, I wanted to say to them like, Bella, Gigi, how about you go hop on over to the West Bank and show up wearing what you're wearing and, you know, speaking your mind and see what happens. And I just think there's a double standard sometimes in people with public platforms wanting to do what's best, but it can really easily perpetuate misinformation. And that influence can have such a stark impact for the worst. Well, you say you have a few degrees of separation. You don't have like an intern who is their mailman, do you? Like, so, <clears throat> I was thinking, I was like, 
Do I know anyone? But I mean, let's talk about this for a second. You have Gal Gadot, who's Israeli. And by the way, who I've met a few times and is the sweetest person. Let's not talk about the Imagine video. Let's not talk about the Imagine video, guys. We don't need to remember it. It's fine, okay? Let's put it in the depths of our memories. She had a a neutral stance and was crucified. Completely. Uh, are Are you joking? For, for simply serving in the IDF. And so I think there's yes, there's so much to unpack there, Taylor. I don't know if we're going to have time for that today, but I think it's so tricky because you can't critique a peoplehood, but you can critique a country and a government. And it's really tricky when people are going to go out and cancel Gal Gadot for simply being an Israeli. And I think that's just quite literally unfair. There's also something to be said about, and this has always been a thing. This is nothing new, but like young, cool, hip celebs um, being on the bandwagon and on the train of, you know, uh, liberal like ideals and presidents. Like, didn't we just have Olivia Rodrigo? That was a whole thing. Meet with Biden. And let's call it for what it is. I think that's also where people are kind of like, okay, number one, like, you're very young and haven't been in like the real world yet. Number two, like, you know, on your own with bills, the whole thing. Number two, like there is that celebrity privilege um, aspect of it as well. So like, for example, when you saw that and you saw it from both sides, what they had to say, something like that, what is your reaction? Well, first of all, I think it's awesome that she's using her voice to do something she's passionate about. So I think it's actually awesome that Olivia Rodrigo is doing something she believes in. But if we're going back to the the whole concept of Hollywood and virtue signaling, I think it's important to call it how it is, which is genius influencer marketing. I think, you know, these celebrities are not unintelligent. They're freaking brilliant businessmen and women who know that if they align with a cause and they can do something that shows that they're using their platform for good, they're going to get followers. They're going to get people who believe in them more because that's our culture right now. And so when I see Olivia Rodrigo aligning with Biden, I don't take fault with it because I think it's brilliant influencer marketing. And that's just the reality of today. People are going after those paychecks. People want to feel like they're doing something meaningful. So I don't know why not just reward someone for trying. But again, I know that might be controversial. So what I want to get your take on is now I don't align with either. I actually consider myself somewhat of a libertarian. I'm just like, back the F off and let me live my life, ho. Okay. Now, what I love about your platform and what is so refreshing is that you literally, like you will have the most progressive person and you will have the most conservative person in one dialogue. And it's so refreshing. You're like, we don't have to agree, but let's hear everybody. And that's why I admire what you're doing. Now I do now now that you you know you're really in the mix, you're hearing all sides. Something about Hollywood that scares me is because I do believe everybody should be heard and hello, Hollywood is the epicenter of creative freedom well, it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. It's supposed to provide an escape. It's supposed to show people from all walks of life. Now what we're seeing happen is the reverse blacklist where the blacklist in the old days would be where communist, right? were blacklisted from Hollywood. Now you have people like John Boyd, who I've also met and is a doll, um, come out. He's obviously conservative, come out and say, now it's happening the other way, where if you're on the right in any way, shape or form, uh, you're blacklisted from Hollywood, which I think obviously is very problematic. What do you um, think about that? I... I really find fault in that system. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to have another take because I'm so on the side of canceling cancel culture to a degree where I just don't think that's fair. Like, let's say he had done something horrible that inflicted physical harm on someone, then let's hold him accountable, send him to jail, send him to the criminal justice system. But I think for having a belief that is not aligned with the majority is not a reason to be removed from an industry or a society. And I think what I struggle with is when people in Hollywood or not, just everyday people on the street, don't have the same energy for both sides, 
right? Like if, of course, if you're allowed to fervently believe in all of the things you believe in, why can't someone else do the same? And I think that's where I struggle and where some of the inner libertarian in me comes out is that why can't we just let people believe what they want to believe as long as it's not causing harm to someone. But I, I find issue with when we remove them from society because you're still allowed to exist with your point of view. And one more thing I just want to get out there is I, I treat this like a game. Anytime something happens in the media with a public figure or someone in my own life that borderlines cancel culture, I try to think about what caused that person to believe what they believe in. Like, let's take Camp Auschwitz guy again. What do you think he experienced in life that got him to where he is today? Because that was no accident. And I think it's, if you fundamentally believe that we are a culmination of all of our experiences and worldviews, then who's really to blame here? Is it really the person that you're removing from society? Or is it the education system? Is it that person's parents or grandparents? Is it you know, something they were taught growing up? Is it the media? Is it social media? Is it, you know, the billionaires running these social media platforms who are paying for algorithms and advertisements to sensationalize us? Who is really to blame? And I think that's something we don't think about with cancel culture is why someone believes what they believe in and what is the root cause. Now, that's not to say Camp Auschwitz guy is not to blame because he's perpetuating those harmful ideologies, but maybe he is in his own echo chamber and hasn't even had access to a Jewish person, right? I think it's important to also just have some empathy for people's experiences to better understand where they're coming from before we ascribe the label, we judge, we shame, we cancel. And I think that's something that I wish we just had energy for on both sides of the spectrum. That's a really great, amazing point. And what it reminds me of actually to bring it back is the vax debate. To your point, let's go back to why people feel the way that they feel. And no one acknowledges, for example, in this conversation, like the Jennifer Aniston so quick to be like, I'm on, I'm not friends with you anymore. How about we acknowledge the fact that I wish that these people in, in leadership roles would be a little more transparent with us about the vaccine, right? It's new. There's no way we could potentially know 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now because we're not in a time machine and we're not in a time portal. But no, instead, it's been what you were saying earlier, the sort of forcing. And this again, it's like, it just reminded me of that example because it's very problematic where both sides are in their narrative. However, one, it seems seems to supersede the other. And the truth of the matter is there's a there's validity in the middle, you know, do what's right for you, do what's safe, but also these people in power and these officials needs to be more transparent with us and they haven't been. So let's look at all of that before it's like we're judging people and ostracizing them. It's insane. We it's all insane. want to go back to normal, but we all have different routes of getting there. And that's what's frustrating. And I just wish people understood that if we could understand the common goal, right? Back to a normal society without masks, we all want that. We could actually come a little closer together and understand why we all believe what we believe in exactly. and try to find that route. But right now we're not. Jennifer Aniston cutting unvaccinated people out of her life for not getting vaccinated is never going to solve the problem. But at the same time, she has the rights and freedoms to do whatever she chooses mm -hmm. with the people in her life. So I just I hope one day we can realize that like dialogue like this is the solution. Now, lastly, this is a really important topic uh, to me, to me, and perhaps a sexier one is the whole idea of TikTok internet fame and this whole thing. Now, I talked about this in my last episode. I don't know if you've heard of the show, show F Boy Island. It's a new reality show on a on HBO. Yes. And reality TV, funny enough, because entertainment is my world, I'm actually not into reality TV, like dating shows like this, but I watched it as a social experiment. And my takeaway is that I say in my last episode, I don't care if you're 
you know, man, woman, black, white, Asian, it doesn't matter. To me, it, it seems like all of these people, like we've turned plastic. We're all about the superficiality, the surface level, how we look, are we hot? And are we going to be internet famous? Now, this is where the libertarian in me is conflicted because everyone has a right to pursue the life they want to live. If that's how you want to make your money, if it's, that's fine. However, I am torn because I feel like we have seen a lot of issues when it comes to self-worth, when it comes to mental health, and with women, this whole IG model atmosphere with body image. And let's call it for what it is, feeling like shit. So again, where is the line? Because this is something, sadly, again, that has started with millennials, but has really emerged and exploded with your generation. So does it make you sad? Does it make you empowered? Where is the line with this internet fame crazy? <sighs> this is such a loaded topic. Taylor. It is. We could do a whole app on this topic. I yeah, know. This is like a another TED Talk potential topic. I know. It it makes me sad, but it's not internet fame culture and TikTok culture that makes me sad. It's it's all of the norms that we've been taught from a young age to perpetuate in our society and the entire industry of diet culture that makes me sad. And so I don't think we can blame the Gen Z models and the influencer figures for doing what they're doing. Because again, like I said with millennials earlier, like what was the roadmap? You know, what were they shown? What Instagram algorithm was being fed to them by these tech companies to get them to where they are now? Right. I almost just wish that companies that are running the Facebooks and the TikToks and the Instagrams would put a little bit more effort into giving each user a different set of users to follow that would allow them to see those different body types, those different experiences that we talk about that fall all over the body image spectrum. And if we're talking about body image, like why can't TikTok mandate that every new user has to follow Lizzo? What would happen? And it's also this trash of, I did a whole episode showing the Photoshopping face tuning that these people do. You would be shocked. It literally ranges from Z-list influencer to Beyonce. So it's just, yes, literally, I said Beyonce. Yep, it's true. Yeah. So it's just really, it, that's what makes me really sad. It's like, okay, express yourself however you want. But to me, now we have an issue when we're tweaking uh, how we even look. But like, what I will say, what I will say, and right before I came on your podcast, I was trying to post a selfie on my Insta story and I was using all these different filters and I got physically disturbed by how it distorted my face. Oh, I know. So I didn't use it. I posted a normal selfie. And what I have to say to again, go to bat for Gen Z is that I feel like even mixed in with the models and the influencers, you can argue that Charlie and Dixie are really posting their real selves. And I think Gen Z really has this push now for authenticity in a way that is showing a little bit more realism than generations past. And though it's still curated, it's still out there on a platform for public consumption. I do think there's a little less face tune with the Sienna Mae Gomez's of the world and you know the body positive icons who are putting themselves out there that are showing these young adults a new way forward. And so I think Gen Z is starting to shift that culture because we are wary of these systems, right? We're looking at everything with a critical eye because we care about all of these issues. And I think now that we're a little aware of it, we're more likely to change it moving forward. So I hope so. I hope so. I hope that it becomes, you know, less superficial because it really makes me sad and it's not reality. And very, very lastly, because I know we're out of time, bringing it back quick to Addison, right? If you guys are like, who? Is famous TikTok internet star. She has been invited to the Met Gala, allegedly. She was uh, cast in the new She's All That spinoff, He's All That, a reboot, sorry. So people got their panties in a bunch because they're like, these TikTok internet stars have no business being along the light among the likes of Meryl Streep. Now, I myself have judged it, okay? I've judged it. Sophie, 
Should we be a little less hard on them? Or are you yourself like, listen, listen, you have no business sitting at Tom Hanks's table. This reminds me of a poll I saw on Instagram yesterday um, by my friend Stephen Lovegrove. And he posted, do you think TikTok stars should be able to attend the Met Gala? Yeah. Or does that really take away from what the Met Gala is? And I, without even thinking, said 100% they should be included at the Met Gala because that's our world. These are the people who are on the Forbes 30 under 30, the Times most influential people list because of the influence they have in our world. And so I 100% think we need to be easier on them because look at them out there being multi-hyphenates and making shit happen and doing huge things in the world. And I don't know. Again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. Like so many people are just sitting around on their couches waiting for life to happen to them. But these people are risk takers. They're out there and they're doing something. And I think that's something we should at least give them a little bit of applause for. That's fair. All right. Well, Sophie Barron, I have to let you go, but thank you for you know, doing what you do. And something I feel like really scares me about my generation, your generation is the lack of depth and connectivity. We're so obsessed and attached to these. Sometimes I feel like when you're in real life, you're like a robot and there's no interpersonal ability and it really scares me. So thank you for doing what you're doing with the conversationalist, because I hope that changes that and creates actual human connection off offline and in real life. And um, I hope that everybody listening, like you can finally let go of your tidy whities. Okay, open your minds. And like Sophie said, be a little less judgmental, even if it is of these TikTok stars. Like, I'm sorry, if I were at the Met Gala, I would elbow this Addison right out of the way to sit on Meryl's lap. But that's just me. But maybe we'll all leave a little less judgmental. So Sophie, I want to thank you so much. We'll have to do a part two. I can't wait. And Taylor, you are an icon and an inspiration. I, in so many ways, preach every day on The Conversationalist that we need to share our opinions without fear of judgment. And that freaking terrifies me. And just being here with you today made me feel like I could let my guard down and actually say it how it is and have a real, authentic, badass conversation. And that's infectious. So you are having such an impact on so many people. And thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much, Sophie. I'm so glad. And really quickly, is there anything that you're kind of weary or afraid to talk about on the conversationalist? And perhaps do you feel inspired to be like, you know what, I'm going to dip my toes in. I'm going to actually go for it. I mean, yes, there's, this is why I started it. It's a direct manifestation of all of my fears. I struggle to talk about race, politics, yeah and everything in between. And I will say it's made me a little bit more bold in being willing to talk about it in smaller settings. So yes and yes, but also a little bit of no. You got this, Sophie, my little mini me. I'm so proud. (laughs) Thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you, Sophie. We'll do a part two. Can't wait.